0: 56 percent according to a new poll by the wall street journal this week 56 percent is the number of americans that believe that the u.s is a racist society The number is notable because of the source of the poll, The Wall Street Journal, owned by famously conservative business tycoon, Rupert Murdoch. It's also notable because for the first time in recent memory, the majority of respondents believe that racism is a real problem in America. But this show is not about race relations. It's about technology and business. So for us, the question is, Why are there so few black board directors at Fortune 500 companies and technology companies? In this edition of FinTech Friday, where are all the diverse board members in corporate America? I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on July 24th, and this is FinTech Friday, brought to you by Cardlinks. It's great to be with you. Perhaps one of the last bastions of the old boy network is the corporate boardroom in America. Yet boards of directors play a critical role in our economy, They have real power and can have a significant impact in addressing discrimination and in improving corporate performance. Boards hire and fire the CEO, set the compensation of the CEO, and approve key policies for the largest corporations in America. Corporate boards of directors have been proving to be resistant to diversity. So much so that earlier this year, Goldman Sachs, one of the leading American investment banks, announced that they would refuse to do an initial public offering for any company not having at least one diverse board member. Among technology companies, the problem is even worse. Tech companies and fintech companies have even lower percentages of diverse directors than other industries. Enter the Black Lives Matter movement, and it's clear that the composition of corporate boardrooms should and must change. To hasten that change, earlier this month, California, the largest economy in the U.S., started considering passing a law that would actually require every public company headquartered in the state to have at least one underrepresented minority board member. A similar law mandating at least one female board director went into effect last year in California. As you all know, California is home to many of the largest and most influential tech and fintech companies in the world, including Apple, Google, Facebook, and Twitter. But the big question remains, how will all of that change in corporate boards actually take place? Who's going to be responsible for making it all happen? Well, it turns out that when technology boards or large corporations look to fill a board director seat, they usually turn to an executive search firm. Today on the show, we speak with a partner of one of the largest executive search firms in the world, Heydrich & Struggles. Ron Brown is a senior partner at Hydric, and his practice focuses on placing CEOs and board members at the largest, most well-known companies in the world. And he's been at it for a long time, for over two decades, and has deep experience advising directors on how to hire the best talent and how to avoid the most common pitfalls. We'll discuss why there are so few board members of color in corporate America and how that is starting to slowly change. Good morning, Ron, how are you? I'm great, how are you, Silvio? Great to speak with you today. And uh, Ron, I'm in San Francisco. Am I right that you're in Denver today? I am, beautiful Denver. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question, but I do wanna say it um, because it's relevant to our conversation today. You are not the Ron Brown, uh, which is you share your namesake, the famous uh, Secretary of Commerce under the Clinton administration. So you're a different Ron Brown and you're not African American. Is that right, Ron?
1: (laughs) That is correct. Although I worked in the Bush White House uh, when he was chairman of the DNC, and during the transition between the election and the uh, inauguration from Bush to Clinton, I got a lot of his mail at the White House and every week would send a whole parcel of mail to. him at the DNC and I got a letter back from him saying it's nice to know that there will always be
0: a Ron Brown on the winning side. (laughs) That's a great story and uh, so fascinating that you share the name with someone who in many respects uh, really broke broke the glass ceiling. He was the first African-American DNC chairman um, he was also the first African-American um, to be the Commerce Secretary. And today we're talking about breaking the glass ceiling in uh, corporate boards. Uh, but really interesting story. And you identify as um, white American or Caucasian American. And, and for the folks uh, who are podcast listeners and may not know this, um, I'm actually African-American. And so uh, it's important to the context for the conversation that we uh, uh, share that with folks. But Rod, tell me a little bit about your role at Hydric & Struggles, which is um, one of the leading executive search firms in the world. Sure. So uh, I'm I'm a partner at Hydric & Struggles. I've actually been with the firm for 24
1: years in uh, big offices on the East Coast and the West Coast before coming home to Colorado, but to have a very national practice that is uh, Really, a mix of CEO, uh, CFO and board of directors search for uh, for clients, largely in the technology industry um, and and you know working with both publicly traded companies as well as private equity sponsored companies and other family offices and nonprofits, et cetera.
0: really amazing firm and, and well known among uh, corporate boardrooms around the country and around the world. And on the topic of boardrooms, how big a problem is underrepresentation of minorities and women in corporate boardrooms in America?
1: I think it is a problem. I think it's improving. I think it's improving meaningfully, uh, but slowly. We've seen a big improvement, a sort of a, a, a somewhat of a quantum leap, just in the last couple of years. Some some steady improvement over the last decade, and and, and, a, and a, a real leap forward um, in the in the last couple of years. But it's still the reality is it's it's still a problem. The percentage of of women and in the boardroom and uh, ethnic minorities in the boardroom is still uh, you know woefully behind where it is for uh, for the traditional aging white male CEO.
0: And can you share with me a little bit of those statistics? I mean, what percentage of corporate board directors are women? And then uh, related to that, what percentage of corporate board directors are African American?
1: Yeah, so I can share that. We, we also track the uh, increase in the number of, of new appointments each year to the Fortune 500 boards. But uh, in the Fortune 500, the, the, the percentage of women is sort of in the 22 to 23% range. As I mentioned, you know that's, that's basically doubled, though, over the last decade. Most of that growth has been in the last couple of years. But again, the overall percentage of women remains at that sort of 22 to 23 percent range, which needs to improve. The percentage of African-American appointments in the Fortune 500 uh, has also increased significantly over the last decade, but it's only 11, about 11 percent and Hispanic and Asian percentages are less and uh, and, and not improving um, either. They're sort of stagnated at 5%-ish for uh, Hispanics and uh, around 8% for Asians and Asian Americans.
0: Um, unfortunately, the, the numbers are somewhat disappointing. Um, now, as you know, a, a lot of our listeners are working for very large technology companies um, in various parts of technology, digital advertising, digital publishing, e-commerce. Is the problem worse there for those types of companies or do they have worse statistics uh, or are they in a better position as it relates to their corporate board directors?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it is it it, it is a, a bit worse in the technology industry. I'm not sure I can exactly pinpoint why. You see a lot of talk uh, in, in Silicon Valley and in the venture world about sort of the bro culture and what have you. And, and I think that has, um, there, there's some truth to that. And, and, and so it is, you know, the statistics are a bit worse in, in technology. I know a lot of your listeners are also in the financial services sector and financial services has, has actually been better than, than other sectors and a high percentage of diverse board appointments come from financial services. And uh, that is just now starting to be eclipsed by consumer talent. And and in terms of appointments to financial services companies, traditionally, obviously, it's been uh, from financial services, but increasingly diverse talent from consumer backgrounds.
0: Now, one of my favorite sayings of of the late Ron Brown was he would talk about the view and the fact that many African-Americans were kind of shut out from having that view and understanding how things work in big corporations. Now, when a board has a vacancy and they need someone else to join the boardroom and actually join in that view, the person they call is you, Ron. So can you take us inside the boardroom conversation, um, a typical uh, conversation that occurs around uh, a board candidate? What do they ask you about? How does the topic Mm -hmm. even get raised about recruiting somebody from a more diverse background?
1: Yeah. So in virtually every single instance, they will highlight diversity as an emphasis for the role that has increased over the years. But I would say, uh, you know, really 100 percent of the time, it's a it's a priority. Uh, The question is, how serious are they? about that priority and and where do they rank that priority relative to the other things they're looking for because if you say we want diversity and then you uh, put on top of that a unicorn litany of uh, of other requirements that you that you want at the end of the day you're not probably going to to get get that diversity if they value diversity itself because of its value and the reality is uh, boards with more women and, and more ethnic minorities show improved results, improved business results, improved uh, corporate reputations, etc. If they value it that way and therefore prioritize it, then, then we get good results. So it's, it's really you know about how they prioritize and how they value and how serious they are about bringing diversity onto their board versus uh, copping out uh, at the end of the day and saying, Gee, I know we, we looked at a diverse slate of candidates, but uh, the diverse candidates didn't have previous board experience and they hadn't been the CEO of a Fortune 100 company previously and they hadn't worked in uh, Uzbekistan, et cetera. So um, that's kind of what we see. But increasingly, uh, I should say that the, the seriousness of that conversation, company- conversation is really sincere and genuine.
0: Great to hear that the momentum has really swung now um, because, you know, this is not a new problem, right? This is a problem that's been around for for a long time and, and recognized as a problem for a long time. But it sounds like what you're saying is the, the pendulum is swinging and there's a lot more momentum around this and, and now boards are making it a priority. Was that, is that a fair fair statement?
1: no no question about it uh, they're they're making it a priority and you know part of it is you know market accountability they're hearing from their customers they're hearing from their shareholders they're seeing business results of of, of customers and shareholders voting with their feet if they're not uh, walking the talk and being representative
0: absolutely Let's talk tactics a little bit, because of course, many people listening to this show will want to know, what can I do to either increase my chances of getting on a board or if they're serving on a board? What can we do to increase diversity, add African-American board directors, et cetera? Decades back, the NFL did something experimental. They adopted the Rooney rule to increase the number of African-American coaches. At the time, there were a lot of African-American players, but no African-American coaches. And basically, the rule went something like this. You don't have to hire an African-American coach, but you do have to interview an African-American qualified candidate for every opening. Here in California, um, there's, a, a, there's a current bill making its way through the State House of California that would actually propose that every public company headquartered in California would be required to have an underrepresented minority um, board director, at least one. And then depending on the size of the board, it might be more than one. And this follows a law that went into effect last year to mandate that for women. Is that the right approach, the right tactic? Do you think that will be effective? And, and you know, yes or no on that. But also, what are some other tactics that you've been seeing companies adopt? Yeah,
1: I think it is the right tactic. And, and it's frankly what I and, and my firm and many of us have been doing all along. Even if it's not a mandate or a request of the, of the client, I still always ensure that they're seeing diverse talents. One of the things that I've done is tracking talent and meeting people uh, you know, earlier in their careers and sticking with them and helping folks along the way so that when it comes time for them to, uh, to be ready for board service, they're ready. So I, I think of one example, a guy named Leroy Williams, who I uh, have known for, for many years. I placed him on the board of UMB Financial. He's African-American. They were interested in diversity, but his being appointed had nothing to do with the fact that he was African-American. They were looking for a strong technology and cybersecurity skill set. He was the former CIO of Ball Corporation and a cybersecurity expert. But, you know, the byproduct is he's brought um, some ethnic diversity to their board that has been extremely valuable and welcomed by the board sort of unexpectedly. But that was only because, you know, I'd been uh, following him, tracking him for years, and, and I knew that he was ready and able to, uh, to serve on a board, even if he wasn't sort of traveling in those circles at the moment.
0: Let's drill down on that 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 topic of traveling in certain circles. You know, when people think of boards of directors, they make important decisions, those boards of directors, you know, hiring and firing the CEOs, uh, setting corporate policy. But many people think about a board as pretty much an old boys network. And um, by extension, the firms that they use, like the search firms they use, people think of as old boy uh, networks. So some people have come to the belief that actually the executive search firms are, are part of the problem and help propagate the legacy of non-diverse boards. Is that true in your opinion? And share with me like how Hydric Struggles has thought about this problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the, the answer is it depends. Uh, th- there's no question in my mind that there are some out there in the executive search profession who are part and parcel of the uh, the old boy network and and, and play into that. But I have to assume that, that those people that they're, they're sort of doubling down on their clients behavior as well, because you know, the reality is, if you want to be successful in this business, you have to go where your clients tell you. And if our clients are seeking diversity, we need to uh, seek diversity. As it relates to, to, to me and my firm, uh, you know, we're really passionate about it. And as I say, you know, we've the, the best in the business have been tracking talent for years so that, uh, that we know people who aren't household names, if you will, but who are absolutely ready to be great contributors in the boardroom and to, you know, to push boards to, to be less of an old boy at work. So, you know, I think the Rooney rule and I think, uh, you know, presenting diverse slates, uh, you know, regardless of whether a client is has specifically asked for it, is uh, critically important.
0: Now, you talked about the unicorn candidate, right? The guy who's been a CEO, basically um, has all the experience that the company is looking for. But one of the most common things that boards look for in a new board member to join them is somebody who's actually served on a board and preferably served on a public company board before. Now, we talked about the fact that actually the numbers of existing board directors that are African-American or women, the numbers are pretty low. So how do boards get over the objection of, This diverse candidate, this African-American candidate has never served on a public board before. How do you get them past that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, part
1: of it is, and I I think this will come with time, but we're already starting to see the fact that uh, boards, I think, are starting to recognize the value that non-CEOs bring to their process, to their deliberation and governance. In other words, as supply and demand has led a number of boards to move from being, uh, you know, a collection of, you know, eight CEOs and one general counsel to now having HR leaders and technology leaders and operators and 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 others suddenly they realize that there's value in that and, and frankly risk mitigation by not having a bunch of uh, type A CEOs who always want to lead in it whatever room they are in. And I'm increasingly starting to hear some boards say, you know, we don't want a CEO because we only need one or two CEOs in the room. But really to get to your question, uh, you know, the, the point I am consistently making to boards is Around this table, there is all sorts of public company board experience and governance expertise around this table. So what's the risk of bringing in a great, thoughtful, highly strategic, diverse executive to this table to bring all that they can bring uh, to this board? And you can, over time, teach them uh, and inculcate them with your governance wisdom and board experience, and you're not missing out on anything. And I think boards are increasingly starting to to listen to that kind of advice. And when we do present first-time board candidates, typically they are going to have had significant board exposure as an executive in the company they're coming from. So they will be sitting in the board meetings and presenting to their boards where they are so they're not uh, complete neophytes to the boardroom. So that's really the angle I've taken with boards to, to, to get them over the hump of feeling like they need somebody who's who's served on boards before.
0: Rod, thank you so much for your insights and um, really appreciate understanding how hydric and, and you as an individual have been a big part of the, the solution um, to this really persistent challenge in corporate boardrooms. It's great to hear we're making some progress. And thank you for having the courage to be with us and really share candidly um, some of your great insights and best practices. Great, thank you very much. That's Ron Brown, a partner with Hydric & Struggles, um, the well-known executive search firm. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on corporate diversity. As we've heard on today's show, corporate boards in the technology industry and other industries are starting to slowly diversify after many years of excluding African-Americans, women, and other people of color. For many, the change is not happening fast enough. That is particularly the case in the tech sector that plays an outsized role in the U.S. and global economy. But let's face it. Companies are about making profits for shareholders, and many believe that the U.S. board structure system has worked pretty well at delivering profits. After all, many of the largest technology companies have been delivering unprecedented levels of value for shareholders. In the past year alone, megatech companies including Microsoft, Apple, Google have hit market valuations once thought unthinkable. Each of these companies has been valued at over $1 trillion. But what many people often miss is the money left lying on the table. The missed opportunity due to lack of diversity. According to a recent McKinsey quantitative study, and I quote here, ethnic board diversity is clearly correlated with higher profitability. In their 2017 study of over 1,000 public companies, corporations with more culturally and ethnically diverse teams were 33% more likely to see better-than-average profits. And that's the point. Increasing board diversity is not just good for minorities and women. It's very good for shareholders and the bottom line. For FinTech Friday from the Cardlinks Association, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.